welcome to a highly technical and troubleshooting episode of the Brain Ladle Trivia Podcast. I am your tenacious host, Davo. With me, as always, my fellow Yellow Belt, that Titanic co-host, Kells. Hello, everyone. We have our sensei, who the torturous, Neil. Hello, everybody. And we have a special announcement, a brand new member of the team. He's an oldie but a goodie, that toothsome <laughs> member of the team. <clears throat> really, you ran out of teas, FS. I, I did. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez, it's a travesty and a, oh, and a tragedy <laughs> how quickly I ran out of T words. For Andy, <laughs> uh, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your team, guys. This is uh, this is a thrill. Thank you. Well, you have you have officially entered a theater of pain because this is not I an know. ordinary trivia show. <laughs> no, you are you are entering the tournament as a white belt. The Kumite is set. Sensei Neil, what are the rules? The rules are every week we have a theme and then there are six categories in that theme. Each category has four questions. Each question is worth 10 points each, maybe a few bonus points thrown in. Although I think I'm pretty light on bonuses this time. And uh, then there's a final question that's worth up to a hundred points and we'll cover that one when we get to it. Outstanding. Sensei, we are ready. Today's theme, apparently, I'm the only one that was actually alive at the time, but 50 years ago was 1969. And every question this week is about the year 1969. Yippee. That's <laughs> the well, youngest member saying... of the team is really thrilled. Yes. The member of the team born in the eighties says, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I tried to take into account that, that, uh, you know, none of us lived through most of this stuff. So, and I, technically, I lived through three months of 1969. So, I wasn't really paying attention to the news myself. So, well, it's just, all about those just, life experiences. It is. <laughs> so, let's just try this and see how we do. I think you'll be surprised at how well you do, actually. Category one in 1969 is science. science. Question one. Physics. Yochiro Nambu and Leonard Susskind made the first presentations of this theoretical framework, which supposes that instead of point-like particles, the quantum world is populated by one-dimensional objects. I've never even heard of those two guys. Just think Statler and Waldorf, but cooler. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to pain, white belt. <laughs> I wear suspenders. I think you'll get it once you hear the you answer. <laughs> I uh, I am locked in with an answer. I may have an inside track on this that you guys aren't aware of. I'm locked in with something sciency. Kels, <clears throat> are you locked in? Oh, yeah, I like them first. Okay. All right, Kels, what's your answer? 
All right, I just took a wild stab at it and said quantum theory. Andy? I still don't understand the question. I just went with dark matter because it sounds kind of cool. Like if I had a punk band, I might call it dark matter. Oi. Yeah. Devo? I went with string theory. The correct answer oh. is string theory. Strings are the one-dimensional objects that are hypothesized. It's, it's actually uh, a theory of gravity, but I didn't want to throw that in to confuse you too much. Fun fact, Neil. Yeah? I know very little about science, but I had a roommate who was a physicist. So I paid attention. Did you? I did. All the time? So why don't, no. so why don't you explain string theory to us <laughs> briefly? Man? Please. Why don't, why don't you ex- yeah. explain, explain it to us briefly, string theory? Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm curious. Since, since you paid so much uh, attention to your roommate. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, it was obviously invented by uh, Hiroshi uh, Sudoku and <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephen Sondheim. And strangely enough, it doesn't actually involve any strings. Because I've tried uh-huh. and it doesn't make sense. Do you, you think maybe we should just... Misnomer. Should we just move on here? I would appreciate it. Thank you. Question two, meteorology. Herbert Saffer and Bob Simpson developed a method of classifying wet weather phenomenon. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Did you have a roommate who was a meteorologist? Yeah. Dang it. Okay, I'm locked in. She was a good friend of mine. (laughs) Dang it. Andy, what was your guess? It was Stormy Winters. Um, I... I... (laughs) I locked in with hurricane. Devo? Well, I put hurricane in parentheses, so I'd feel better about myself. But I locked in with tornadoes. And Kells. Ooh. Well, God bless the University of Miami and the Scorpions for rocking me like a hurricane. Nice. The correct answer, the Saffir-Simpson scale measures hurricane wind. So Kells and Andy both got it right. All right, all right. Dang it. Question three, computer science. This electrostatic digital printing device was invented at Xerox Park Laboratory by Gary Starkweather. What is it better known as? Uh, electrostatic, electrostatic digital printing device. Yeah. Er, eh. Okay. I'm locked in. I'm locked in with something. Uh, 1969. I'm locked in. Devo? Uh, I went with the uh, photocopier. Okay. Else? I went a completely different route. I'm going to feel stupid if I'm way off, but um, I went with the EKG machine. Okay. And Andy? I thought of the photocopier first, but I thought that was too early for the photocopier. And this is probably also equally ridiculous, but I went with the dot matrix printer. Mm. Okay. Well, Andy, I would say you were probably the closest, but uh, the the photocopier had been created long before 69. Uh, They used similar techniques. uh, Mr. Starkweather used similar techniques to create the first laser printer. Oh. 
Oh, it, it, it's electrostatic. It uses a little laser mm. to to basically draw on this metal drum, and then the toner uh, gets attaches to the drum, and then the drum rolls over the paper and prints the image, and then it gets heated up to basically fuse it onto the paper. Okay. Oh. So part of it's similar to oh. a photocopier, but it has much better resolution usually. Mm-hmm. Right. Dang it. Question four in science is medicine. In May of 1969, a teenager in St. Louis known as Robert R. died of unknown causes. In 1984, it was determined that he was the first North American death due to what disease? I'm locked in. I have a notion for this as well. I am locked in as well. All right, Kels, are you ready? Yes. Um, I guess AIDS. Andy? AIDS. And Devo? AIDS. The correct answer is HIV AIDS. 1969. Oh 69? Yeah. Wow. Probably, for some reason, they think it came here from Haiti. So it was in Haiti before here. I think they've tracked it back decades past that in Africa and, and maybe some other places. It's been around for a long time. Right. All right. Well, at the end of round one, we have a three-way tie at 20 points. Ooh, anybody's game. It's anybody's <laughs> game. <laughs> so I know you guys didn't like the fact that I left out sports last week. So I have a sports category this week. Oh, man. I'm even, I'm even better with, you know, 60 sports. <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of these are people that I know you've heard of, Kells. Oh, thank goodness. Question one, football. What team beat the heavily favored Baltimore Colts in the Super Bowl after their quarterback guaranteed a victory? For a bonus, which Super Bowl was it? What what Super Bowl number was it? I'm locked in. Locked in. I'm locked in. Andy, what's your guess? It's a New York Jets. Okay. Do you know which Super Bowl? It would be Super Bowl three. Okay. Devo? Uh, the New York Jets and Super Bowl three. The New York Jets, Super Bowl trois. Is that, that's, that's three. That's three. Right? That's three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. I guess that was apparently, I, I hadn't heard that, but apparently you guys all had that must be common lore, huh? That's It's pretty legendary. Guaranteed a win. You know, I bet lots of people guarantee wins and don't win, and nobody ever hears from them again. It's just the one that happened to get it right that everybody says is a legendary thing. Yeah. Yes. Right. Question two is baseball. We're gonna go. We're gonna go back a little bit to 1963 when the manager of the Giants said of one of his pitchers, "We'll put a man on the moon before he gets a home run." Fast forward to July 20th of 1969, about an hour after the Apollo 11 landed on the moon, this Hall of Fame pitcher hit his first home run. <laughs> wow. I don't know this. Oh, my story. gosh. I, wow. I f- okay. I'm locked in what? with a guess. What team was it again? Whoops. The Giants. Oh, okay. 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 I think I, I, think I got it. And I know this. Because I took a quiz recently, and I got it wrong, but they told me what the answer was. I'm locked in. 
I'm locked in as well. Devo, what was your answer? Well, I had no clue. So I put down a pitcher's name and I said Whitey Ford. Kells, what was Whitey your answer? Ford. I went with Sir Gaylord Perry. Andy? I totally guessed Don Drysdale. The correct answer is Gaylord Perry. Nice. There's there's some debate about whether or not he actually said said it. I forget what the name of the uh, the the manager was. He was a player turned manager. Um, he only lasted at the Casey Giants for Stengel? a couple of years. No, I would remember yeah. that. It's too coherent. It's too coherent for Casey Stangle. <laughs> yeah. He supposedly said it to a reporter as they were watching uh, warm up while he while. Uh, Perry was uh, trying to bat, and he just kind of slammed his his uh, pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> Question three in sports: In 1969, this heavyweight fighter beat Jerry Quarry on his way to winning the WBA title. A couple of years later, he faced Muhammad Ali in the fight of the century, which was the first time two undefeated heavyweights met for a title match. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I think. Kels? That would be the pride of Philadelphia smoking Joe Frazier. Oh, crap. Yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong, too. Mm. Did I go with Sonny Liston? I went with Sonny Liston. Yeah, we both did. Is the fight of the century part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the correct answer was uh Joe Frazier. Well, there are so many fights of a century, you know, it's hard to keep track of <laughs> you have that one big century fight, century. century fight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. That one stings. This will probably be more up your your alley, Andy. Andy, we're talking about women's tennis. <laughs> I get it. Okay. In, <laughs> in 1969, this female Australian tennis player won three of the four Grand Slam singles tournaments. By the time she retired, she won a total of 24 singles Grand Slams, a record 21 mixed doubles, and 19 women's doubles titles, 64 in total. So name the Ooh. name the Australian tennis player, and for a bonus of one point each, name all four of the Grand Slam tournaments. Well, I can get the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, am, I I can. Oh, this is gonna hurt because I. I uh. You have to name all three. Oh, four. Uh, or four, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well. Okay, Andy, what's your guess? It's Billie Jean King, but I can't name the tournaments. Wimbledon's one, I think. Um, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, Devo. 
I thought her name was Margaret something. So I, I the only th- it just kept popping into my head Margaret Mead. I don't think that's correct. But the tournaments are the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, the French Open, and the Australian Open. Okay, Kels. Um, Davo, you were really close. I know, but I believe it's Margaret Court. And uh, four Grand Slams are French Open, U.S. Open, Wimbledon, and Australian Open. I I would tell you what the answer is, but Kells just did. So, All right. yeah. Margaret and appropriately Court. Andy, I'll give you I one point nothing. for that. And uh, David okay. gets four points. <laughs> I got hung up on you know the name Rod Laver. So I kept conflating... Uh-huh. It was like, he's Australian. It's got to be Rod Laver, but he's not a woman. It was just <laughs> awful. But I, I, I knew Billie Jean King wasn't Australian, but that's all I could come up with. I think I could be wrong, so don't quote me, but I think Rod Laver won all four of the Grand Slams in 1969. Really? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and it's too bad that wasn't the question. You would have killed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really would have. <laughs> At the end of round, uh, the end of round two, Kells has an impressive sixty-six points. Devo less impressive at thirty-six, and Andy is pretty close at thirty-three. So you say I got a chance? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> wow! 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 Never tell me the odds, Neil. Category three in 1969 is television. The actor who played Darren Stevens on Bewitched resigned from the show in 1969 for health reasons and was replaced. Which dick resigned and which dick replaced him? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I am locked in. Really? I am locked in as well. You got to get the order right. You guys are kidding me. So you want the you want the one who left first and the one who replaced him second, right? Yeah. All right. I hope you know, I got these in the right. Here's the thing, Andy. I know why Kells was able to lock in so fast, and I know why I was able to lock in so fast because Bewitched came on TBS for a long time, and when you were <laughs> sick home from school, you watched. Okay. It. Right, Kells. And even more so for me, I, I know I was supposed to be asleep. Ma, if you listen, I'm sorry, but I was up. I was watching Nick at Night. It was Bewitched. <laughs> and then I Dream of Genie would come on like right after that. So I watched Boom. Both. All right. I'm I'm locked in with half an answer. Half's not going to get you anything. All right. Well, you know what? If you if you remember- If you get the right one in the right place, I'll give you half points. So if you if you know okay. if you know one of them and you tell me which one he is, then I'll 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 give you credit for it. All right, fair enough. Okay, Davo, what did you come up with? Um, uh, Dick York yeah. got sick and was replaced by Dick Sargent. Okay, Kells. I also went York to Sargent, but I feel a little iffy now because. Wasn't in Wayne's World? They were like, 
Dick York was re- well, Dick Sargent was replaced by Dick York, and they were like Sergeant York. This is it, it. Okay, I don't. I don't know. I went with York the Sergeant. <laughs> I never put that together before. <laughs> wow, Sergeant York. I'm just putting it together. Listen to you guys too. I had Dick York as my first guess, but I couldn't come up with Dick Sargent. So you thought he was the original? Dick York is the original one, I believe. Yep, you're uh, all more or less correct. It was Dick York replaced by Dick Sargent. And I had heard that uh, York was having uh, prescription problems. But it was really, uh, he he did have serious back problems. He was doing a Western, I think with uh, maybe Gary Cooper. And they were pushing one of those handrail, the hand carts on the railroad, you know, those old timey things that you pump up and down. Mm-hmm. And so you, you had to like pull up on them. And the, at one point the director yelled cut. And one of the extras just for some reason grabbed up, grabbed the handle of that, um, of that thing as, as Dick York was pulling it up and it just ripped his back muscles out and he never really recovered. Oh God. And oh, God. so he was, he was in a lot of pain for a lot of the filming of Bewitched. And eventually he just, he, he collapsed on, on set and just couldn't do it anymore. Then he went in the hospital and that's when he started getting addicted to the painkillers, but he, he got them all, got mm-hmm. off them after a while, but he, he just couldn't, his career never, uh, his career was pretty much over at that point. Oh, that's awful. Oh man. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, I've actually ridden, and I'm not exaggerating here, probably hundreds of miles on on one of those. They're called hand cars is the technical name. And uh, and, um, we used to, we we had a restored one, and we would ride it on abandoned railroads just before they were, uh, they would pull up the tracks so we could say we were like the last ones that used it. Um, I think the longest one I was on is we, we took a trip with a hand car. It took two days from, um, uh, LaSalle, Illinois to, uh, Freeport, Illinois, which was, uh, was, it was, yeah, it was a long couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where you could, the, the whole, you, you couldn't possibly, if, if it's suggesting that the extra, like tried to stop the handlebars. Um, or the bars that you're using to pump the car is what it's called. You couldn't stop it. Uh, it wouldn't hurt you like that, but you could certainly hurt your back on one. And also, if you fall off one, I fell off one once. That really hurts. Uh, yeah, there's definitely oh ways gosh. you could get hurt bad on one of those. Those were designed before OSHA, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not particularly safe. <laughs> All right, question two in television. A controversial variety show was canceled mid-season in 1969 after multiple run-ins with the censors over the show's satires of racism, LBJ, and the Vietnam War. Which siblings created and starred on the show? I'm locked in. Damn, this is too early for In Living Color, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think siblings and satire, man. I think the Wayans, but I think this is like well, like well before that time. Um, I'm locked in. <laughs> I'm locked in with a junk answer. Okay, what's your junk answer? Um, 
I believe it was the Patty Duke show. She played her. Um, she played her twin, so that would be the that would be the siblings you're looking for. Kells, Kells, Kells. Yeah. On the Patty Duke show, they were identical cousins, not siblings. Everybody knows that. Uh, that doesn't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Wow. <laughs> but it's true. It's the nah, truth, and that is why Neil is the sensei, and you are but the learner. <laughs> uh, Andy, what was your guess? It's the Smothers Brothers, uh, Tom and Dick Smothers, to be specific. Okay. Devo? Smothers Brothers, Tom and Dick. Can I add a little trivia nugget? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Smothers Brothers uh, also had music on their show. And that's actually one of the things that got them in trouble. Uh, they wanted to have a folk artist do a song called the big muddy, which was an anti-Vietnam song. Uh, but one of the things that Smothers brothers kind of a landmark they left in rock history is when the who performed on their show, which I think it was their last show. I'm not sure the who was famous for wrecking their instruments after a set and Keith moon, their drummer. Oh, by the way, Kels, the drummer of the who is Keith moon. Um, their drummer, (laughs) their drummer decided to load up the bass drum with explosives and set it off at the end of the set. And he did. And it's one of the main reasons why Pete Townsend is now, uh, almost deaf is that's when he originally hurt his eardrums is the end of that set when Keith Moon blew up his drums. There's actually a video of that on YouTube. Well, I think what I read was, what I read was he, he put some in or or someone put in some for practice uh, for for their rehearsal and it didn't either, they didn't set it off or it didn't go off. And then um, the stagehand put one in for, for the, for the actual show. And then, uh, Keith decided that he was going to make it a bigger explosion. So he put in another charge. So there were, it was triple loaded. Um, and wow. nope, they didn't realize that oh. it was a pretty big, pretty big bang. <laughs> it was a big, bang. actually Keith Boone had a sliver of his symbol sliced his arm open. You can, you could see him in the clip. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. That. If you, if you watch that clip, you can see him kind of hold his arm and, and uh, jump off the back of the drum riser. Wow. And do you know Neil was that the was that the actual last show? Uh, I'm not sure. Or was it like a season ender? Um, I, I know there was something about that show is kind of we're going out with a bang kind of thing. I'm not sure. All right. Question 3. So the Brady Bunch pre- premiered in 1969. As the kids on the show aged, the producers decided to add a new young character whose name has come to refer to the practice of adding a cute young kid in an attempt to rescue a series from cancellation what was this character's name uh, locked in oh, wow i can't i cannot remember his name i can't either can picture him can i describe him for you you see his face oh i do see i can see his face. little munchkin kid oh, oh, glasses yeah yep. the little round glasses yeah, kind of looked a little bit like uh, like a miniature John Denver. John Denver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looked a lot like John All Denver. Right. That's true. I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well with a joke answer. Okay, Dave. A squiggy. <laughs> and Kells. 
I went with Cousin Oliver. Andy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, I used um, logic for this, like Neil does, and I couldn't remember the character's name. And I thought to myself, what does a show do when they're desperately trying to get viewers and it's like a last ditch effort to try to get people to pay attention to them, they usually add a character named Andy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wrote, I wrote down Andy. I have no problem admitting it. I mean, I get it. It's all right. Well, in, in this case, the correct answer is they pull the cousin Oliver. Oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> if it was Andy, that'd be really embarrassing. <laughs> Question four. Oh. Which sitcom couple got married in my hometown of Cocoa Beach, Florida in 1969? Really? <laughs> Can I get the question again? Which sitcom couple... Got married in my hometown of Cocoa Beach, Florida in 1969. I'm talking about on the show, not the actors. I'm looking for the character names. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Okay. Uh, Andy, what was your answer? I was stumbling because I remember I kept thinking of I Dream a Genie again, and it was a similar series. And I always get those two kind of mixed up, but it's Bewitched. Um, and I, I um, Samantha's the witch, and Darren is her husband. Okay, Davo. Well, I uh, I shamelessly took Andy's prodding of Genie, and I said Tony, uh, Major Tony, and Genie. From I Dream of Genie, because he was in the space program. Else, yeah, I, I stuck with the um, Florida theme also, and I went with Genie and Major Nelson. The correct answer is well, Genie and Tony Nelson. Episode and oh, but I thought, <laughs> all right. But wasn't the premise of the show? Wait a minute. The premise of the show was Jeannie had to be a secret at all times. Jeannie had always. Who has a wife that has to hide in a bottle? Um, Tony apparently, Nelson, apparently. Major Nelson has a wife that hides in a bottle. Yeah. It's like a TARDIS in there. They fell in love and got married. Oh, I was. Sh- I went with I Dream of Genie, and I thought, no, Genie was was a was a secret the whole time. So, uh, such a white. I'm so mad at myself right now. Except towards the end of the se- the uh, series when they needed to do something, and they had uh, they had a marriage. They had an. Oh, did they no, have they children had an Andy on, on the show? show? Which was their marriage. That- <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, that's gonna <laughs> stick. <laughs> Here's a here's a trivia nugget for you. you remember Jeannie's bottle? Yes. Okay. Yes. Her bottle yeah. was a uh, was a 1964 Jim Beam Choice Bourbon Christmas bottle. Was it? 
Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was a collector's edition really? for uh, Jim Bean. Wow. They they I think huh. in the first season they left it as kind of green glass or maybe the first few episodes, but they eventually decorated it and made it kind of purple and more more Asian looking. Yeah. Or Mid-Eastern looking. But the basic shape stayed the same and it's uh, a Jim Bean bow. At halftime, our scores are Kells with 96, Devo with 66, and Andy with 48. I like to keep a tradition. Andy? Uh, Cinderella story. Yep. Andy, this one is your category. Where. I guarantee you. I promise. More science. Okay. No. Uh, music. <laughs> music from 1969. So, when you mentioned the category was 1969, it immediately got me thinking of, for some reason, music. And I'm glad we have a music category because I can think of a song titled 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins. I can think mm-hmm. of a song called titled 1989 by Fountains of Wayne. Right. And I can think of a song titled 1999 by Prince. But I could not think of a song that was 1969. Brian Are Adams. you kidding? Summer yeah, Brian of Adams. Oh, the summer of '69. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go. I thought that's where we're okay. going with it the whole time. Yeah. So did I. <laughs> no, I completely forgot about the summer of '69. That's a okay. The, cool. Question one in music: What band played their final public performance on a London rooftop, but was cut short by police after noise complaints by neighbors? Locked in. Of course. <laughs> Is that right? Oh Final my god! Public. Well, I'm going to lock in with this because I'm playing the system, not the actual question. Locked in. I'm locked in. David. Uh, the Beatles, because Andy locked in in three milliseconds. Oh. <laughs> I also went with the Beatles because London and Andy was super excited to say locked in. Andy? Yeah, it's it's the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got a bad trivia poker face, Andy. Sorry. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I have all the right cards. Uh, I just realized <laughs> if, I, if I would have just like acted like I had no idea, that would have thrown you guys. Oh, they would have totally said, well, let's not be the Beatles. I wouldn't, have gotten the, I wouldn't have gotten this question at all if you had been a little cooler than jumping up and down. I'm just I'm, realizing I'm totally that's honest. why Neil <laughs> Neil is the master of this game because he is brilliant with the poker face. <laughs> Utterly. We just assumed that now. he knew everything anyway, so there was yeah, no need yeah. posturing. I can see that. <laughs> he just had yeah. it. Yeah. I was gonna guess Beatles regardless. Andy, help me out with a nugget here. It was their last public performance, but not their last concert, which was was that in San Francisco? Um, yeah, they actually stopped touring long before this concert. Yeah. Um, because once they got to the, about the Sergeant Pepper era, the, the equipment you used for concerts couldn't possibly replicate what they were doing in a studio. You know, today there'd be no problem, but, um, in that period, once they started getting really creative, they realized they couldn't really play those songs live. And at the same time, ironically, both George Harrison and John Lennon were 
terrified by the prospect of being assassinated. Um, they saw what happened in the United States with JFK and and MLK and Robert or Bobby, and they really were getting paranoid. And when the whole uh, issue they had with when John was misquoted by saying the Beatles were bigger than Jesus and they started burning albums in the American South, they genuinely both did not want to tour anymore, partially for their, their safety, which is ironic because both their lives were cut short. Uh, you know, John was assassinated and, and George died of cancer, but that was accelerated by the assassination attempt at his house a year earlier. That, that's kind of more than I was. Way more information than you asked about. Yeah, I was kind of getting at <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say Sorry. was their last concert was was earlier, but this was their last public performance, and they were doing it on a rooftop because right. it was a scene for uh, a movie. Which which movie was it? I forget. The Stillborn Let It Be movie. They they okay. had decided they were going to uh, make a movie of them recording this album. And what the movie really captured on film was them breaking up. Uh, and the film was never released. And actually, the album was not supposed to have been released. Lennon kind of went behind the backs of the other three to release it. Well, there you go. I've grown today. <laughs> <laughs> People learn to not ask me about questions about the Beatles. <laughs> Question two. This one sounds a little bit weird, but bear with me. Mr. Mojo Risen was arrested during a concert for exposing himself on stage. Who is Mr. Mojo Risen? Locked in. <laughs> oh, right. It's got to be Beatles, right? <laughs> it's the Beatles, right? <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> uh, sure, I'm locked in. Okay, Kels, you sound pretty confident. Yeah, beaming with confidence. Um, I had no idea, so I just said a forgotten member of parliament. <laughs> Andy? The mother shift left somebody behind? Yeah. Just, the name just really, it was too on the nose. Okay. Andy, what was Given a group that had a member named Sir Nose. <laughs> so. Um, for people that know me, uh, this is the exact opposite of the Beatles. This is one of the bands I like the least. It's Jim Morrison of the Doors. Dave uh, Jim Morrison. Mr. Mojo Risen is an anagram for Jim Morrison. Oh, that's, oh. Right. that's why he yeah. kind of refers to himself as Mr. Mojo. I mean, he's not really talking about himself, but it's kind of the, the chorus of uh, one of the songs. I forget which one. Question three in music. This Happy Together band played a concert at the White House because they were the favorite band of Trisha Nixon. They were very stoned and claimed that they claimed that they did lines of coke on the desk in the Lincoln bedroom, which is probably the reason the lead singer fell off the stage multiple times. Which band was this? Locked in. I'm locked in. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't get too caught up in the story Dave. no i'm not i just i'm blank i'm honestly blanking on the name of the band um oh man 
gonna have to. I'm locked in. <laughs> Andy, imagine me and you. I do happy together by the turtles. You know. Uh, I wrote down the old Greggs. <laughs> Kels? Uh, Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo, the Turtles. Well, you're lucky I wasn't asking for the members of the band because that was incorrect, but <laughs> it was the Turtles. Neil, I got to say, I've never heard that story you just shared. Um, I've always thought of them. I mean, I knew they were a bit of a psychedelic band, but I always thought they were aired on the side of of, of good kids. Um, I didn't know about the Coke on the, on the <laughs> desk or any of that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting story. I, I mean, there's more to it, too. The the singer, I forget his name. He um, Lyndon Johnson's daughter was there, I think. And uh, he mm-hmm. started hitting on her, but he got separated from her very quickly. Oh, well, by the so Secret so Service, so. I would imagine. That's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> I don't see that going over well. <laughs> All right. Question four. In 1969, <laughs> Johnny Cash released the second of his two live prison albums. Which two prisons did he record live albums in? Locked in. I'll give you five points each. Also locked in. I'm uh, locked in as well. Okay. Uh, Devo? Uh, Folsom Prison and Sam Quentin. Else? Uh, they make everybody drink out of 10 cups in, in this place. No, uh, Folsom in San Quentin. And Andy, do I even need to ask? It's Folsom and Sam Quentin <laughs> in that order. I've always been curious. I have both albums, and he starts with the whole tin cup thing. And did they genuinely bring him a tin cup on the stage, or I, I, was that a I thing? Think either, I think either he like had it already, like they gave him one, and he had it already. Okay. Like nobody like brought it to him during the show. I don't think so. Well, okay. except for the San Quentin one, I think somebody does bring him water. Okay, and like it's in a and it's in a tin cup. Yeah, because he asked for water like before. Um, uh, was it Folsom? I walked those. I think so. Yeah. Does he open with Folsom? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we got that cleared up. At the end, <laughs> it's important, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> these are the things that keep me awake at night at the end of round four we've got kells with 126 davo with 96 and andy still a close third with 88 really made a, a leap forward there andy. <laughs> as i suspected me. andy was perfect in that round <laughs> and, and genuinely this is if you had to pick a year in music this probably was one of the best years to choose for me as well admittedly if you would have done 99 i you know probably would not have done yeah, as well me neither i hear the Cardi i just thought B. of luft balloons but <laughs> <laughs> so 99 would have been a bad year for me too <laughs> oh oh god <laughs> oh no i'm now i'm free who did that nina uh what was her name Mena. Um, no thank you 
Yes. All right. Category five is movies. Movies. You know, I was going to have our final question be like name the top 10 grossing movies of 1969, but that would have been absolutely impossible because some of them I never heard of. So (laughs) I just took some of the ones that you guys are probably familiar with and made regular questions out of them. Starting with number one. Thank you. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was released in 1969. What was its theme song written for the movie by B.J. Thomas? Oh, God. Locked in. I feel I betrayed because you said movies and it's a music question. <laughs> it's in the because it doesn't fit the movie. It doesn't fit at all. And in, in fact, the the scene it's in is just feels like it's shoehorned it into the movie. It does not fit at all. It's like, well, it's on the soundtrack, so we got to put it in there. Oh. Right. Oh. The scene where they're riding a bike. I'm not saying any more clues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm locked in because I have never seen the full movie. What? Really? This is one of my top ten favorite movies yeah. of all time. I've never you seen. Can't the whole movie. swim, Davo. The fall will kill you. It's one of the greatest lines in cinema history. <clears throat> Davo, what's your answer? I wrote down Hungry Like the Wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> choice. Since I've never seen the movie. All right, Kells. <clears throat> Did not see that coming. Okay. I just want to preface this with um I hope it's not what I was going to write, <laughs> which was bicycle <laughs> bicycle built for two. I want what raindrops keep falling on my head. Hey, Andy. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Oh, thank God. Andy got it. Her answer <laughs> is raindrops keep falling on my head. That song doesn't sound like it belongs in any cowboy movie. Oh, it, <laughs> it does Genuinely, Davo, you have to see this movie. It really is an extraordinarily entertaining movie. But suddenly in the middle of this movie, and they are, they're riding bicycles for no reason at all and they play the song in its entirety and it makes no sense oh man okay it is straight pace breaker yeah consider it on my list (laughs) here's a nugget the screenplay was the sundance kid and butch cassidy which doesn't really seem to flow flow very well but um after I forget who was originally scheduled to play the Sundance kid, but he uh, wasn't able to for some reason. So then Paul Newman became the, the lead and he got top billing and he got top billing on the, in the movie title as well as on the poster. Oh, wow. So so that's why they switched it. So he was first. I I was just looking up movie, like movie facts. And I saw that. Yeah. Do you remember who was originally going to be Sundance? I have, I have no idea. It was someone you've heard of, listeners. Yeah. If you could uh, bring, if you could tweet that at us, Ladle Brain at Ladle Brain, let us know. We'd appreciate it. 
Ladle brain? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> Question two in movies. A movie named The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes was released by Disney in 1969. The lead actor had signed a 10-year movie deal with Disney, and it's claimed that he was the studio's biggest star in the 70s. Who was this actor? I am locked in. I'm locked in. Because I believe this appeared on another show that we did. I was going to say, this was an answer on another show. I got the answer right on the other show. And I can't come up with his name now. This is so making me we're gonna, mad. We're going to, for those listeners out there, I don't remember the show number off the top of my head, but it was the Disney show. Yes. And I got the answer right. And I got it wrong. You did. That's how I know this. Oh. He's in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. I wasn't there oh. that time, so that's why I didn't realize that we'd already done this question. Yes, oh, no, that's this question, question precisely. But it's a similar question. Who appeared in more Disney yes. shows? And I got the answer yeah. right. Now yeah. I can't come up with his name. And he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. and Which is a Disney movie. I can tell you who he's married to. And ah, oh, son yeah. of a... It's a Disney movie. Came, came full circle. This is delicious. By the way, <laughs> this is a delicious moment. Because I, I got it wrong. So you did because I you were no, not happy. I had I had no idea that this was a thing. Yeah, now I know. Failure is a great teacher. This is killing me. <laughs> Softly. <laughs> no, there's no piano involved. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. He's in. Come on. I can't. Yes. Wait a minute. Yes. Locked in. Well, hope hope you pick Tango instead of Cash. <laughs> Do you know the dog's real name? <laughs> what? Wasn't Tango and Cash about him and a dog? Or am I thinking of a different? You're no, no, Tango and. <laughs> You're thinking no, of Turner, Turner and Hooch. <laughs> I'm taking Turner and Hooch. Uh, wow. This one's a rough one, but I got it. I I remember. <laughs> this is uh, the rocky shores of the mind of Andy. Oh. <laughs> okay, Andy, since you're so proud of yourself, give us your answer. It's still Kurt Russell. Okay, Davo. <laughs> it is Kurt Russell. And Kels. Kurt Russell is correct. Wow. That one almost hurt. <laughs> it's so frustrating when you can see their face, you can rattle off different films they're in and you just can't come up with a name. All right. Question three. I think this one's going to be so easy for you guys that I decided to put a, uh, a nice bonus in there for you. Cool. One of the most nice. One of the most famous lines from the Best Picture winner, Midnight Cowboy, was unscripted when a taxi driver ran a red light. What was the line? And for the bonus, give me the real name of the act of the character that said it, and um, you can also give me the nickname of the character that said it for additional bonus points. 
locked in, and I have a nugget to go with it. You the, do you have both of the bonuses, so, too? The, the I'm bonus was, well. um, the, the bonus is his, the character's real name and his, and his nickname? Yeah. Okay, not the actor. No. Damn it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm locked in regardless. So just to be clear, I'm looking for the line is is the the question, and then the nickname and real name of the character are the two bonuses. So, Devo? Well, uh, the line is, I'm walking here. Okay. And then character i have ratso rizzo okay for the character and that's all i've got okay else i'm walking here and uh ratso rizzo and andy it's ratso rizzo he pounds twice on the cab and he says i'm walking here all right Everybody is correct. You've got the quote correct. It was, I'm walking here. And Razzo Rizzo, his full name was Enrique Salvatore Rizzo. So how many bonus points did we get? So that's 12 points for everybody. Nice. Nice. Okay. Question four in 1969 movies. The only film for which John Wayne won an Oscar was released this year. What was it? Locked in. Ooh. Ooh. As the police. Oh, no. Apprehend. Oh, oh. Oh, no. Um, crap. Got it. Oh, no. Was... I'm, I'm going to go with this one instead. All I could think was the character's name. Going with this one instead. Okay, I'm locked in. Okay, Dave. What'd you come up with, Dave? Well, <laughs> uh, <Wow>. <laughs> I, the character, the character is Rooster Cogburn, and mm-hmm. that character appeared in two movies. And I think I wrote down the wrong one, but I went with the Shootist. Okay, I never heard of that one. Also went with Rooster Cogburn as his Academy Award winning performance, but it was in True Grit. No, no. Andy. I went with True Grit, and I did not know about the shooters as well. Shootist. The, the correct answer okay. was True Grit. True, True Grit. I thought it was the shootist, and it was okay. Never mind. Second guess myself. Get all mixed up. <laughs> I have to admit, I hesitated because I thought True Grit was later for some reason. Apparently, he hated everything about that movie. He hated the director. He hated his co-star. He told, um, after he won the Oscar, he told uh, one of the other actors, I forget who, that that they should have won it. He did not like that movie. It was kind of like a... I like a lifetime achievement award for him, basically. Yeah, I think that was kind of a gimme, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a makeup award for. It was it was his scent of a woman, I guess. <laughs> Very good way to good way to put it. 
Yeah, it's, it's his sin of a woman. <laughs> well, he should have won like it, three in the seventies. That's all I'm saying. It wasn't. We're yeah. not going to have the Al Pacino debate right now because it's a big one. But <laughs> fair, fair John, enough. The True Grit wasn't really a John Wayne style western. No, it, it wasn't. You know, nah, and it's dark. He really personified that that kind of John Ford western. He was the John Ford Western. And to be honored when he's, you know, he was in a lot of pain. He was suffering from cancer. He was older. And he was very disillusioned. He was a very politically conservative person. And he was very disillusioned by the the rise of the counterculture. And to basically win a Lifetime Achievement Award for a somewhat counterculture movie. There's got to be kind of a slap in the face to him. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting analysis, David. I like John Wayne. Well, I'm looking at the scores here. There's there's been a change. Yeah. Mm-mm. If I've if I've done my math right, <laughs> I've got Kells with 168. I've got mm-hmm. Andy at 130, and I've got Devo at 118. Let me check your math. Yes, your math is correct. My math was incorrect. I didn't know you did math. I apparently don't do it well. Learn <laughs> something new on the show. Yeah. Okay, for this uh, for this last category. We're going to go a little bit darker. This category. <laughs> darker than true grit. <laughs> well, I mean, you tell me. This, cate- this category is all about deaths. People who That's died. That's darker. Yeah. Yeah. Question one. William Henry Pratt died in February of 1969 in his native England. He was most famous for portraying monsters on the big screen, including Frankenstein's monster and the mummy. What was his stage name? I'm locked in. Um, also locked in. I don't feel like this could be right. I'm probably way I'm, off. But I I am confused by that one too. But I I'm locked in. Okay, Kels. I went with Boris Karloff. Okay, Andy. Boris Karloff, but I always thought that was his real name. Devo? Boris Karloff. The correct answer was Boris Karloff. That was, so here's the story. His his brothers were both in the English Foreign Service, and he was afraid that he would bring shame on the family name and embarrassment to his brothers if he used his real name while he acted. And so he just kind of picked the name Boris Karloff and did all of his acting on it. And it turns out that after he got big and famous, his brothers loved to be associated with him. You know, they loved to have pictures taken with him <laughs> and stuff like that. And he never, he never legally awesome. changed his name. When he signed his papers, signed papers, he would sign it William Henry Pratt, a.k.a. Boris Karloff. Huh. That's cool. All right. Question two. 
Robert Kennedy had been assassinated in 1968. During the trial in the March of 1969, his killer admitted his guilt. What was the killer's name? You history folks there shouldn't have any problem with that. Locked in. Uh, it's, it's, it has this kind of weird rhythm to it. It's, oh. I got it. Locked in. Andy? Sirhan? Eva? Sirhan, Sirhan? Else? Sirhan, Sirhan. Your answer is Sirhan, Sirhan. He actually, initially, he pled not guilty. He decided to change his plea, but the judge wouldn't let him. And so as part of his defense, he was on the stand and his attorney said, did you, did you kill him? And he said, yes, I did with 20 years of malice and forethought. Oh my God. So he, uh, yeah, I don't know. He was, he was kind of crazy, but he, he did have notebooks. He did have notebooks where he was planning, planning this thing out. It wasn't a spur of the moment thing. Really? And if you care, he's currently 74 years old and in a prison in San Diego. He's alive. still alive? Yep. God, I did not know that. He was in San Quentin uh, for man. a while. He was relatively young when he did it then. Yeah, I suppose. He was 24 when he yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah. Question three. Question three in deaths. The father of the beat movement and author of On the Road died in October 1969. Who was he? Locked in. Hmm. Locked in? Uh, I'm locked in. Okay, Dave. Uh, Jack Kerouac. Bells. Oh. <laughs> I've... I've kind of misheard you. You said on the road, didn't you? Yeah. Did you say Cormac McCarthy? Uh, yeah, I went with McCarthy for the road. <laughs> oh. That is so not oh. to beat generation. Oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs> it didn't make sense. <laughs> you could ask me wow. to repeat the question. Yeah, Andy. I felt good about it. It didn't make sense, but I felt good. Jack Kerouac. Yeah. <laughs> Her answer was Jack Kerouac. You know, Kells, the the question that you answered, you were right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me feel not much better, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. It's just the, the thought of the utter <laughs> depression that is Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, nothing was beat about You know, <laughs> doing a beat poem, Daddy-O. It's just crazy. Vigo Mortensen stars in your work is usually not happy. So No, no, it is not. <laughs> Question four. Brian Jones was found dead in his swimming pool, probably due to overindulgence in drugs, a month after he had been fired from what rock band that he founded? Locked in. I'm locked in. 
Oh, shoot. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I'm right. Oh. No. Uh. <laughs> wow. It's like being uh, in your head. It is. <laughs> this is what it's like to be in Davo's head. I'm right. I'm wrong. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask a question. I'm locked in, but who who are the guys that started the Beach Boys? They're the Wilsons. Was there Brian? Yeah, Wilson? the Wilson brothers and uh oh how did I just mm. lose his name? The one I don't like. That other guy. Mike Love. Yes, thank you. Kells, what was your answer? Um I'm pretty sure there's a John Paul Jones, and I'm hoping there's some relation. So I said uh, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> How did you? What? <laughs> the most... Okay, that's, <clears throat> All right. that's a really funny question answer, but we'll tell you why in a minute. A- Andy? Okay. It's inexplicably the Rolling Stones from his logic. <laughs> And David, <laughs> I wrote down the Beach Boys because I thought there was something ironic about him drowning. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. That's legit. One of the Beach Boys did drown. One of the Beach Boys So you're Boys on the right drowned, track. But his name wasn't Brian. Yes, one of the Jones. Beach yeah, Boys. Just, one of the founding members drowned. It wasn't. It wasn't Brian Jones. Dang it! And and Kels, John Paul Jones was the bassist for Led Zeppelin. For the yeah. oh. <laughs> And that's why that was so inexplicable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I could, And by the way, thank you, Neil. When he said John Paul Jones, I was so baffled. Like, that's not the Stones, but who is that? <laughs> so thank you for solving that, Neil, because I couldn't come up with that. I'm, I'm so glad I got those mixed up. Which so. I believe, I believe 1969 is when Zeppelin was formed. Uh, I'm pretty sure. You may be right. I don't recall. But anyway. Anyway, indeed. So, hey, we're done with the regular part of the game. And our scores are as such. Kel still in the lead with 198. Andy in second place with 170. And Devo has 148. Mathematically still alive. Technically. (laughs) that's what i'm talking about so i was kind of struggling i I was really excited about this this category i thought it would be kind of a little bit different than some of the ones we've done before and then i got to the final question where i'm trying to find a list of things for you guys to to name and you know there's no way we could do movies like i like i said earlier there's no way you could do uh you know, most popular songs or any of that kind of stuff because that's some of those people you yeah we could well i don't know there's <laughs> yeah, you there's could. some weird songs out there yeah, we <laughs> however i did kind of stick with the music theme again i did not know andy was going to be playing come on <laughs> there were a couple of big music festivals in the in 1969. One of them was Altamont, which was also called the Death of the 60s. That's the one where the uh, Hell's Angels were doing security and they they killed a guy and it was it was kind of a big mess. 
It yeah. sounds like they were totally justified. I mean, this this guy was on a lot of drugs and had a gun, and uh, one of the Hells Angels stabbed. You him can down. see a gun in the in the in the movie, yeah. but that's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about the big one, the Woodstock Music and Art Fair. There mm-hmm. were thirty-two musical acts that played at Woodstock. I need you to name me any ten of them, and I'll give you a couple of minutes to do it. I'm locked in. You know, He's the 60s weren't really my decade. Uh, <laughs> we'll start with we'll start with Dave. Uh, I put Jimi Hendrix, Country Joe and the Fish, Santana, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Joan Baez. Then I started really flailing. The Turtles, because we talked about them on the show. The Monkees, because they're a band. And Janis Joplin, because <laughs> it was there. Oh, I want to say things. I count. You can say eight. Are you only going to give me eight? Okay. Okay. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah. All right, Andy. <laughs> The Who, um, my my favorite one that nobody ever remembers. Shana Na Na was there. Um, yeah, yeah, I liked them. Yeah, legit, they were there. Um, not to correct Davo, this is Splitting Hairs, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Neil Young was you not at tell. Woodstock. Um, Wavy Gravy, <laughs> Credence Clearwater Revival, Arlo Guthrie. Uh, Richie Havens, who I think has the most beautiful set at uh, Woodstock. Uh, Hendrix, the band, and Country Joe and the Fish. And Kells. All right. Uh, I said Jimi Hendrix, uh, Bob Dylan, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Joan Baez, The Rolling Stones, Joni Mitchell, Mamas and the Poplars. Janis Joplin and Simon and Garfunkel. Kells, you named a lot of really popular 60s bands that were not at Woodstock. Some of them were. <laughs> yeah, it really was uncanny. Like I was thinking, okay, people, these, are the, these are the ones that people <laughs> will pick. But then you, you found like Mamas and the Papas and, and uh, uh, some of the others that I hadn't even... Uh, didn't even put in the list. So <laughs> All right. So I did some tallying here and I have some some final scores. Davo, you gave me eight answers. Two of them were incorrect. The turtles and the monkeys were not there. Oh, but Hendrix, yay. Country Joe and the Fish. Country Joe, interestingly, uh, did a solo uh, solo show and he did another show with the fish so that was would have been two separate bands uh, Santana Crosby Stills Nash and Young Andy 
uh, Baez and Joplin were all correct. Oh, wow. Wait a minute. Uh, They were on (laughs) tour. They did several festivals that year, and Neil Young was playing with them. He was? (laughs) You know, even if I... Even if I lose this, even if I lose this, that moment is so satisfying. The conniption in the background we're hearing? Yes, that is is music to my ears. Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. I I swear... I almost went with Joan Baez, and I was sure I was right with CSNN. Ah. <clears throat> See, he, he's yeah. so hip to the lingo, he calls him CSNN. You hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, Devo, that was six correct. That brings your total to 208. Yay. Andy, uh, Andy up until that, I was going to give you CSN. Um, but then I had to correct Devo and be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. I might have That's to. Fair. I might. That's fair. Yeah. But you also answered Wavy Gravy, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is not a musical act. He was a comedian and MC, but he didn't sing. He wasn't a singer. Uh, technicality. Wait a minute. Technicality. Did he hum a few bars? I didn't say people who sang. I said musical acts. <laughs> That played. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, this is delicious. So, so I'm afraid I'm only going to be able to give you 80 points for that. That's still a lot, though, Andy. All right. That's I have to do some research here for a minute. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> hold on. We'll, I'll, everything. we'll put an asterisk by that right now and move on to Kells. Got uh, it. Anyway, Andy, that, that brings Andy's total to 250. <laughs> and Kells. You named some great bands like Dylan, Zeppelin, Doors, Stones, uh, Joni Mitchell, the Mamas and the Papas, and Simon and Garfunkel, none of whom were at Woodstock. But you, did get, you did get Hendrix, Joan Baez, and Janis Joplin. So I got the Jays. I got you got, Jimmy <laughs> Joan and you got the Jays. <laughs> Uh, so that's 30 points total which brings you to 228 and so now I think we have three yellow belts unless Andy wants to protest enough that I take more points away from him no you know what legitimately I just looked it up and Wavy Gravy does the famous breakfast in bed for 400,000 he does not sing a song he gives the most famous quote to Woodstock but he does not sing and also when I position myself as the expert, I cannot accept CSNN as a viable act. So you have to take two off of my score for that. Okay. That's already done, and you still won. Yeah. Really? Yes. <laughs> I won my first one. All right. Three yellow belts in the dojo. Nice. Congratulations, Andy. Ooh. I genuinely thought I lost it with Wavy Gravy. You you had a you, you had enough good. of a lead. You had you were in good shape. 
I mean, thank you guys for having me on board with the team. I'm really enjoying this. If well, I was going to say, maybe Kels, you should probably watch the Woodstock movie. It'll uh, give you a little enlightenment. Help next time. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there's I some, feel like there's um, some damn good, there's some damn good music on that on that, that movie. I don't doubt it at all. I, I was looking it up while um while you were tallying, and I didn't know Sly and the Family Stone played. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Andy, yeah. do you remember who the, the, the do you remember who the last band, the last artist was? It's Hendrix. Yeah. And and a friend of mine and I used to always joke about the fact. I mean, on on one of the albums, there's there's multiple Woodstock variation albums, but it, it almost feels like Hendrix is playing uh, until every single person leaves. He has this extraordinarily long guitar solo. At the, at the end of the concert, was he play like "Hey Joe" last? No, uh, oh no, I'm drawing a blank. Do you know Neil? What yeah, the last "Hey Joe." Song was? "Hey Joe" was last. It is "Hey Joe." Okay. And in the middle uh, of there, he did his and, and also he did his famous uh, "Star Spangled Banner" rendition. Right towards towards the end. And well, Kells, with, like your, Kells. with your musical interests, you would really enjoy the Richie Haven set. Really? To, to my mind, the Richie Haven set's the unremarked set of that show. It's 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 blows my mind every time I listen to it. Was it more unremarked okay. than John Sebastian or Tim Harden? John Sebastian's set <laughs> is, is often remarked that saves his career. I don't even know who either of those people are. <laughs> oh, if you if you would like to hear more about every single act who going. was at Woodstock, feel free to shoot us a, a tweet at Ladlebrain specifically for Andy, and he will let us all know about the Woodstock movie, which Kells has to watch, like I have to watch Butch yeah, Cassidy watch and the it. Sundance Kid. We have our movie homework. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andy, for joining the team. We're really happy to have you. Thank you for inviting me. This has always been a lot of fun with you guys. Check us out on Facebook, Brain Ladle Productions. Check out our website. Please tweet at the new guy, at Ladle Brain. I'm not kidding. Please do it. He's going to love it. Uh, check us out on Patreon. We do have a Patreon page. Uh, thank you, Susan L. and others for being wonderful patrons. Uh, shout out to uh, Liz and Lexi and all of our all of our big fans. Andy, do you have a, a shout out you'd like to give to us? I want to give a shout out to Allison, who was supposed to be recording with us tonight, and uh, she is very busy as a teacher and a new mom, and my mentor, and she does amazing work, and she's just a little busy tonight. I uh, hope she's back soon. Uh, old fans of the show. You continuous listeners will remember Allison. She's been on the show before. She was ultra mega pregnant then, and she's not now, which is why she's so busy and couldn't join us tonight. So from everybody here at the Brain Ladle Trivia Podcast, this is Davo with Andy. See you later, Ladle Brainers. Kells. <laughs> if you gotta go, go to Smile. And Neil. Peace and love, man. 
<laughs> very appropriate. Signing off. The preceding podcast was presented by Brain Ladle Productions. All rights reserved.